people love the process. And in what we're doing right now, we are telling a story. So I think being able to tell stories of the process of TV and social media is what's going to make a, a future work a lot better. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Social Humans, the podcast where we take you behind the scenes with your favorite social media creators to tell you where they came from, how they got here, and where they're headed next. Let's go. today's episode, our guests are Devin and Marlene of the popular fashion blog, Outlined Cloth. Thank you two for being on the show, first of all. Uh, would you mind giving us some background about how you got into the industry of fashion and entertainment? So I moved to Los Angeles about 15 years ago to be in the entertainment industry. And I currently produce reality television work on a show called Bar Rescue. As far as fashion, I've been involved and loved fashion ever since I was a kid. I remember, actually, sports was my, like, oh my gosh, I love their uniforms. Not realizing that I love basketball, but also love the fashion aspect to it. And I would remember my mom sewed a lot of our costumes for Halloween. So I would convince my mom to sew me tearaway pants like the NBA players had. And I remembered when I made varsity basketball team, I was just as excited to get the uniform as I was like actually <laughs> making varsity. That's amazing. And I tried it on. I literally came home that day and I put on my varsity uniform because I wanted to see what the uniform looked like. Uh, so I've always been interested in, in fashion. And then in high school, I was nominated best dressed. I don't know if people still do that thing. <laughs> but uh, I was a big uh, Abercrombie and Fitch fan back in the day. And I've always been sty- stylish. Yeah. I've loved it since I was little. And my sister is also into fashion and meeting Marlene. She's like my fashion opposite, fashion exact. I don't know what you would say. I don't but know. Yeah, my mom was like, I can't believe you met your match. <laughs> Somebody that loves fashion as much as you. So I've always love fashion. I've been in theater since I was little. So, you know, we were always putting costumes together or even creating our own sort of short theater um, episodes that we would film on my dad's camera. And I'd be, I found one of me as Little Mermaid. And of course, I'm like tying together this like makeshift shell costume and it's like falling off me, (laughs) like pulling it up in the middle of the song. Um, I remember my dad was an artist. He was an art professor for 40 years. And I remember being a part of a fashion show um, when I was, I must've been like seven years old. And um, I, I, I vividly remember that. And then going home and trying to sort of create my own things or like, make some of my sister's vintage she's 10 years older than me she's mm-hmm. gonna hate that I say that her, um, <laughs> like vintage costumes and kind of spice them up um he wanted my dad wanted to send me to fashion school actually and I'm like I want to be an actor I had an English <laughs> accent as a kid apparently um <laughs> studied musical theater uh, in college. I went on to tour with uh, the Broadway national tour of Mamma Mia and um, came back to LA and auditioned and did some short films or little bits, parts here and there and 
always, always loved fashion, always loved to put things together. Um, so yeah, that's, that's just been a passion of mine. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I finally kind of found a way to utilize it because I was like, I don't really want to be a designer. I don't really want to be a customer. Like how can I use this gift that I have and, and sort of help other people and also, um, kind of lift people up from the outside in. I think it's a lot more than just a superficial kind of thing that it sort of played out to be. It's really just, you know, starting from the inside, feeling beautiful about yourself and reflecting that on the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an awesome answer. Um, I'm told that uh, you guys have a cool story about how you met. Is that true? This may be true. <laughs> um, we met on a fun little app called Tinder. Ah. Don't heard of it. Uh, <laughs> I've, re- I've read about it. Never actually yeah, seen right? it. Right. <laughs> um, we actually both got on it kind of relatively soon after it had it's it had started so it wasn't as um we'll say saturated saturated as it is now um so we got kind of lucky and I swiped through and saw Devin and I you know kind of I had to be sold on a couple different photographs he didn't have a photograph with a lion or anything crazy but (laughs) he looked like a good time guy so then um he, the story goes that he swiped on me first try, right? I mean, he didn't go through the whole thing. Oh, no, I didn't look through all the photos. First photo, I swiped <laughs> right. And then when we matched, I looked at her photos. There we go. There you go. Um, yeah, so we met on Tinder four years ago? Coming up four years. Yeah, four years ago. That's awesome. You guys should be on an ad for Tinder, I think. I mean, we they did ask us to film a commercial. They didn't want to pay us, though, but we did it. We're, we wanted to. <laughs> That's awesome. We, we wanted to show our little story. So we do have video of that, actually, how we met and, and all that fun stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, before we jump into the next thing, I have to ask, it took all my willpower not to jump in right away, Devin, when you mentioned Bar Rescue. Um, my brother would kill me if I didn't dig into that because we used to watch it together all the time in college. Um, I got to know about the, uh, the real life John Taffer. Is it, <laughs> is it all an act or how, how much of it is real or how much can you tell me? So for those of you who aren't familiar with the addictive reality TV phenomenon that is Bar Rescue, here's a little primer. The show has been on Spike TV since 2011, and the premise is that John Taffer, described as the Gordon Ramsay of the bar and nightclub business, is brought into overhaul and hopefully save a struggling bar. Taffer has supposedly owned or played an integral role in over 600 bars and nightclubs throughout his career. To give you a sense of the show's vibe, Taffer usually sends his wife Nicole in as an undercover patron to see just how bad the situation is before he comes in guns blazing to teach the owners and managers a thing or two about a thing or two. It's all real. He Does he really hate black mold that much? <laughs> <laughs> does he hate black I, I, He does. That's one... There are certain hot buttons that he hates, and one of I mean, it's because it falls back on sheer laziness by an owner. Right. So something like black mold is something that if you're going to own a bar, that's something that it shouldn't even be thought of like to not clean. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like That's so simple, and that just lands on laziness, and he gets so mad across the board of people that are lazy, 
and black mold just like sets him off. <laughs> and because it's so dangerous. I mean, he he's a big um, proponent of not getting people sick, mm-hmm. and that's one that like you can be a drunk bar owner and be an idiot, and it may not affect customers. But if it affects a customer that they could get sick, that's where he really has an issue because you have a response, social responsibility, as he says, when you own a bar to protect people. Yeah, absolutely. That's really and, cool. And uh, that's why he gets crazy mad. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay, I won't. I won't press you too hard on uh, on this one. I'll let you. I'll believe that John Taffer is who he is, and and live the rest of my life believing that I, one. I can attest to that. He is who he is. Okay. That that makes me very happy. I'm gonna sleep well tonight. Um, what's, uh, what's the uh, the Bengals coach where he's like they are who we thought they were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> that, that's Taffer. Okay. If that's black mold, I'm done. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> back to the important stuff. That well, that was the important stuff. Back cool. to the, back to the less important Game stuff. Set rap. <laughs> um, so, I, when along the line did social media come into the picture for you guys in a serious sense where you're creating content and gaining a following? All right, well, I'll tell you. I mean, I remember Devin sending me an article. He'll always go through articles, and he sent me something about fashion bloggers. I don't remember where it was from. It might have been Forbes or something, and how these kids are making six figures a year and getting to do what they love. He's like, we should be doing this. So he he, um, gathered his resources and started to um, invest more time and energy into kind of the raw denim and the Americana look Uh Um, because it it is quite an investment when you want to start taking photos. He had a good camera already. He had had um, a Canon 5D, so he's like, let's just start shooting. So originally it did start with the two of us, um, but he was working his 9 to to 8 job or whatever, so I'd be getting up super early taking photos of him, taking pictures, and that didn't last crazy long, so he very resourcefully um, found that he could get like a Wi-Fi sort of Bluetooth system and hook it up to the phone and the camera. He can take his own photos on lunch. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to credit him that it was just um, diligence and keeping at it and investing not only in the product but also in the people. And that's kind of where I would step in and help um, – kind of create these connections and meet these fantastic people. And I loved hearing their stories and how they got into fashion and how they just like cashed all their chips in to start, whether it be a a line or a store. And that was just so moving to me. It was like, we're, we're kind of coming back around to this like mom and pop all American um, trend. And that was, that was something that we really gravitated toward. Yeah, that's uh, really interesting. Actually, I think you guys are now the 14th person that we've interviewed for this podcast, and you're the first ones to, I, I, I would say, admit that you uh, you had a goal going into it to start yeah. making money, and you went after it from that approach, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, and I, I, do, right. want, I do wonder how much that's actually going on and. uh whether it's too late in the game, I, I ask myself that every day. Is, is it too late? Yeah, no, it's never 
never too late. <laughs> I mean, oh, it's never too late. You just find something. I mean, to be fair, we are passionate about it, and we love this, and we love fashion, and we love to buy things and shop and, like, meet people. So finding that niche and what you enjoy doing, I, I saw a really cool article about a grandfather who couldn't spend time with his grandson. So he started painting and drawing all these pictures and posting them on, on Instagram to show the grandson. And it's become sort of this big thing. And I'm like, Oh, you never know. It can, it just your passion and how you connect with someone and people gravitate toward that. They love that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm curious with you guys. Um, you know, when you explain it to friends and family, a lot of people, have difficulty explaining what they do, but uh, I imagine with you guys, you you went through that several years before when you said you were moving out to LA to work in film or to you know be an actress. So you probably have a lot of practice explaining to people that don't really understand. But um, on the influencer side of in Instagram, how do you explain that piece to people? I would say you're right on that, that I already went through the awkward phase of saying <laughs> I want to move to Los Angeles to be an actor, mm-hmm. to which my mom still doesn't totally understand what we do out here, my <laughs> sister and I, and, and Marlene, she's like, okay, so when are you going to get a real job? <laughs> yeah. So actually, this is a bit more easy to explain because everybody understand social media i think now even even the older generation is on facebook Mm -hmm. they really understand what connection is and i think as soon as you tell people it's the new way of advertising that's how we really explain it that people aren't advertising with commercials as much because we're all fast forwarding through so many of them and this is a new way to advertise a product and they think wow i I guess i never thought of that because we've all purchase something from seeing something on Facebook or Instagram and we realize I guess it is a really great way and on a blog and on a website mm-hmm. so I don't think it's really been that awkward or tough to t- explain to people what it is we do they actually think oh my gosh that's so cool yeah they yeah. want to know like you got those for free like they get really excited <laughs> wait a second people pay you guys to do that like <laughs> and wait so hold on are you just taking a photo and putting it on your Instagram <laughs> I, saw, I saw that photo that one yeah. so it, they find a real um, connection to the product as well and they actually yesterday I wore a jacket to work and people were like is that one of those you got for free <laughs> and, and they're like wait a second what brand is that because do they make other stuff and it was Ebbetsfield flannels a little shout out um, a whole bunch of my coworkers are like buying t-shirts yesterday so even in uh, IRL people are uh, <laughs> So this is the hypothesis of influencer marketing summed up in a nice little anecdote. Devin posted something from a brand, executing a product placement, and his friends took notice, asked questions, and eventually were convinced to purchase something. His description of this as the new way of advertising is a useful way of thinking about how influencer marketing actually carries forward two age-old practices of advertising and marketing, but in the mediums of our time. Knowing that you guys set out with the intention of trying to build this audience on Instagram, what were some of the strategies that you used that worked well and maybe some that didn't work quite as well? I would say in the very beginning, it was paint on a wall. Like, you know, we just, I was throwing paint on the wall and figuring out what stuck and following some of the other great, there's a lot of great content creators, influencers before us. 
So watching what they did, modeling after their success and kind of seeing um, what they did. And I would say the biggest thing is consistency and then knowing what it is that you're trying to sell. Because really we're trying to sell on Instagram. We're selling ourselves as a brand and knowing exactly what that is makes it people can go on to outline cloth and they know what to expect yeah definitely um what about something that you see out there a lot of people trying that you think shouldn't be advertised as a strategy you know what i would say is having good quality content sometimes it's very easy to kind of just take out the phone and sort of put a blurry photo up and and kind of like over um edit it Mm -hmm. and that's something that I don't particularly like, and I think that the eye is not drawn to um, artistically. So even if you're not getting the following or the response that you want, just staying true to yourself and keeping the content really qu- as quality as you can make it. You can do it on an iPhone. Um, it can be done, and, and in many cases, it's preferred because it looks more like a day in the life, which people really like. Um, so... It, it can be done. I would just say keeping that solid and consistent and visually captivating. Yeah, definitely. I'm curious how often you guys find yourselves turning away brands. Is that something you have to deal with often? You know, the only time that we really do it is if we don't care for the product or we don't feel like it fits our personal aesthetic. Um, I would think... But the, I, I would say that happens few and far between. Mm-hmm. Most of the time we can find things that we really like within a brand or, or um, yeah, an energy or a quality about the brand as a whole that we really like. And I would have to say more recently it's only if time is our biggest thing because mm. it, this is now busier. My job is a full-time plus and then Marlene is doing shows. So really we may just say no because we don't we can't fit it into the calendar. And I know that sounds a bit um, arrogant. A bit arrogant, <laughs> but I just I want to be honest with a brand and not take it because I know it still costs them money. So I have to look at it at that standpoint that if they send it to me, it's costing them something. And I want to be able to give back in the same way that, you know, they spent money to give it to me. So I don't want to just take for take's sake. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how do you find time for everything that you guys are doing? It seems like you're obviously both <laughs> super busy. We spent most of our time today in the car. We had a photo shoot that we did for a really wonderful brand called Crawford & Denim Vintage. So we did that this morning in Burbank. We drove down. We're sitting in my dressing room right now. I have a show tonight. Um, <laughs> so I don't know where we have time. Um, the, I think the trick is finding time for ourselves like really trying to balance what it is that we do and enjoy it because we do we love it but also like a little having some respite yeah for sure um well in the sake of time we'll move into the last segment here for you (laughs) since i know you guys obviously are stretched thin here um and we'll we'll just talk a little bit about the future and uh what you think it holds for you guys, and then maybe the industry as a whole, but if you want to start with yourselves as far as uh, the social media side of things. The future. I think the future of social media, we've hit a, what is the future? And we're all asking that question. Where does it go? What do we do? I know social media, just from my standpoint, has definitely affected 
the TV industry and the TV industry is figuring out what are we going to do and that's changing. So I've seen the landscape change on both ends and I see the future as a way for them to actually work together because right now everyone wants something right now and television can't necessarily give it to you right now, Mm -hmm. but people still like a polished version of TV that you can't necessarily get in the right now of social media. So I think if they can find a way to work together a bit more instead of just compete for eyeballs, that is a future that I see. What do you think Um, that would look like? I think there needs to be a little bit more of it's okay to pull back the doors of things that happen and let people experience it. I know, for example, The Rock. Um, He's an example of... You never, he's on set with something and he's giving you a glimpse of what's to come instead of waiting for a polished version of what's to come. Mm-hmm. And you feel like you're a part of it so that when you then go see the polished version, the edited, you're like, wow, I saw the whole process of it. Mm, yeah. People love the process. And then what we're doing right now, we are telling a story. So I think being able to tell stories of the process of TV and social media is what's going to make a a future work a lot better. Mm -hmm. Before we wrap up here, I have to ask, what is something that you guys know now that you wish you knew starting out on this whole journey, um, especially within the the sphere of social media? I would say... um not to take it so seriously. I, I get caught up in like what the final product is going to look. It's funny because he's, he always calls me the network that I'm giving network notes <laughs> <laughs> and it sort of takes the fun out of it. So I, I would say just kind of being true to who you are and having fun with it. Not to say that we didn't, but like, a lot of the times I obsess over like these little minute details that nobody's going to notice. Mm-hmm. Nobody's gonna, like they're literally just like swiping through their phone. Um, and being open to different possibilities. I never really thought that this would be, you know, we were sitting today or, I, you know, shooting and doing this. And I'm like, I never thought of myself as a model. Like, get that out of your head. Get that out of your head and just be you and be yourself. And that's what people want to see. You know, and, and, you know, try not to get in your own way, I guess, and, and have an expectation for something because, you know, really the future is whatever you want it to be and whatever you put out there, you will get back. And, you know, we're getting married in a couple months. Congratulations. Months. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, and we've been really lucky to work with some people for our wedding and, and, um, you know, use, use this sort of to our advantage. And like, there's still more to come. Like we want to buy a house. We want to furnish the house. We want to have children. Like it's kind of never ending with, with the possibilities of, of this platform. And that's what makes it really exciting and allowing that to just like riding the wave, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's an awesome answer. Um, this has been a really, really enjoyable conversation. I've learned a lot. Um, specifically about John Taffer. That's my, my main <laughs> takeaway so far. Um, but thank you guys so much for finding some time. Now I'm even more thankful knowing how busy you are. So I really appreciate it. 
And if you find yourself in Florida, we'll be taping, we'll be doing Bar Rescue in Florida. Yes, <laughs> I'll be there. All right, thank you guys so much again. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll be in touch here soon. Cool. Perfect, thank you so much. All right, see ya. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Social Humans. Our guests again today were Devin and Marlene of Outlined Cloth. You can find them online at outlinedcloth.com. We'll see you next time.